We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. by a very special guest today, someone that I know for Gamecock fans especially does not need any type of introduction, but I'm going to try to do my best. He's a two-time national champion for the South Carolina baseball team in 2010 and 2011. Also appeared, of course, in the national championship game in 2012. Uh, overall in his college career, 26-6 and record, 1.91 ERA through 354 total innings with 268 strikeouts. Uh, was drafted in the ninth round, 297th overall in the 2012 MLB draft by the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, has kind of jumped around the league, played for Los Angeles, Cleveland, uh, Texas Rangers, Tampa Bay, and San Francisco. Uh, has thrown actually 36 innings at the MLB level and actually just signed a new contract with the Chicago Cubs. Gamecock hero, like I mentioned. So I want to go and introduce Michael Roth. Michael, appreciate you joining the show. Like I mentioned, it's a pleasure to have you on. No, thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So kind of want to jump right into it um, as far as your Gamecock career and kind of what led you to South Carolina. So I think you had a pretty interesting recruitment out of high school, um, recruited as both a first baseman and a pitcher, I believe. Talk about kind of your recruitment, why you chose South Carolina, and, you know, were you planning on being primarily a fielder or a pitcher? Was it kind of a two-way type thing? So my first interaction with South Carolina uh, was after my sophomore year in high school. I was playing at the Sarge Fry uh, in, in the summer with my, uh, like my travel team. And uh, at the end of the game, it was a, I think it was like a Sunday, late Sunday. And at the end of the game, all, all of us were like planning on going to eat somewhere. And um, the coach came up to me and was like, hey, Coach Tanner wants to speak with you. Um, you got a minute? I was like, yeah, sure. So Coach Tanner came and spoke with me and my mom. He's like, hey, I want to drive you guys around campus. And I was like – all right, cool, but, you know, I was going to go eat dinner, but all right, I guess I need to go do this. So we, we drove around campus, and um, Coach Tanner was kind of pointing out things. That I think he was just making a bunch of stuff up, to be honest with you, because um, he was like, this is the horseshoe, you know, this is where you have all your classes. I don't think I had a single class at the horseshoe. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so we go to the roundhouse, which is obviously no longer there, and, um, and that's when he, he like, presented the offer to me and he was like you know i know i know you still have a lot of time and like technically my i couldn't talk to schools unless i was on their campus so like my official recruitment time wasn't open yet 
Um, so South Carolina was the first school that I ever talked to. Um, and then, you know, a few months go by and I hadn't committed or anything. And once like it officially opened, I forget what that date was, you know, I had some, some, uh, contact from North Carolina cause well, that was, um, when coach Holbrook was still there. Um, I talked with, you know, of course Clemson and I think it came down to, um, it was down in like November. I went to on a visit to Clemson and I then the next week I went on a visit to Carolina and when I was in Columbia, it just felt like home, you know, it felt like the right place to be. Uh, I really, I really enjoyed the coaches. And at the time that was coach Calvi, um, uh, What's his name? Who's at Clemson now? I, I just blanked. Oh, Monty Lee was there. Yeah, Lee. Um, yeah. You know, and Coach Toman was still there. Toman was there too. Yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, so, you know, it was a little bit different staff that I ended up having, really. But, um, you know, it just felt like the right place to be. And, and all of that to say, I was recruited mostly as a first baseman. You know, the pitch was really that uh, – Smoke was going to leave, was going to get drafted in 2000, um, in 2008 and he was going to go pro. And it was basically, uh, you know, that was, that was a good opportunity for me to come in to South Carolina and, and win, uh, the starting spot as a first baseman. And, uh, we obviously all know how that went. Um, so it, it was, um, it was an interesting recruitment and, I do remember, and the way I got the way I got to pitch there was, I was all I always pitched in high school, but it was um, I, I enjoyed it, but I I always loved to hit, and I was throwing, um, I was throwing in a game, I think it was kind of the similar thing at Sarge Fry and Coach Calvi had watched me pitch, and at the end of the game he was like, hey, I know you don't. I know you don't want to come here and pitch. He's like, but we could really use you just in case we need you. Um, he's like, so I just want you to throw, throw just some bullpens and stay ready. Um, and so that was kind of how he got me to throw. And um, when I showed up in the fall, you know, I was kind of doing the two way deal, but mostly focusing on playing first base. And then at the end of the fall, I was so bad at the plate that my only way to get on the field was to, was to throw strikes. Absolutely. So kind of fell into the uh, the relief role there, um, kind of a lefty specialist, if you will. Uh, I want to go back because you talked a lot about Coach Tanner, obviously, and, you know, we all know the, the legend he is at South Carolina. Talk about, you know, playing for Coach Tanner, kind of what it was like. I've, you know, I've talked with a couple of guys that played from the past. They all have, you know, very interesting, you know, gleaming reviews of them, obviously, but it's really, really interesting. Just talk about kind of your experience under Coach Tanner, you know, what he means to you. Um, coach Tanner is one of those guys where when you're playing for him, sometimes you hate him. Um, but at the end of it, you just, you, you appreciate him. Um, you know, when I was there, I had a ton of respect for him all the time, but he could be, he was tough. You know, he, he was always trying to make you better. And, um, sometimes that was annoying, you know, sometimes that was frustrating. Um, and he would, one thing that I would say as a credit to him is he knows how to get people. Um, he knows how to push people the right way and he doesn't do it. He does. He didn't do it the same. He didn't push my buttons the same way that he did Jackie or Adam Matthews. Um, 
he had his unique style and he knew how he knew guys that he needed to, to wrap his arm around and, and he knew guys that he had to chew into. Um, so I had, a, I had a ton of respect for him when I was playing for him and even still, but, uh, sometimes, you know, he was, he was a pain as well. Um, but you know, it was funny when we were coming up, when I was, you know, coming up through the program, we, we would always interact with guys that were older than us. And they'd be like, man, you guys have it easy. Coach Tanner, um, used to really get on us. And, um, and now he kind of lets you do what you want. And I was just, I didn't necessarily know if that were true, but I would just, the way that I saw coach Tanner morph over my four years. Um, I think it was definitely how he not necessarily relaxed, because he was always intense and wanted to win and and he was always like ready to fight somebody was in when he was in that dugout but i think he understood how to let people be themselves um and that he was able to kind of take a back seat on some things because we had such a good team that was able to just kind of uh police themselves in a sense you know we had a guy like adrian morales who would jump in anybody's face whether it was me or um or Jackie or anybody. Um, so coach, coach Tanner, just, he's a smart, intelligent individual and just knew how to get the most out of the guys. Awesome. Awesome. So fast forward a little bit. Um, you know, obviously like we mentioned, you're a reliever in 2009, you know, play a little bit of first base here and there, but kind of a lefty special 2009, 2010, fast forward all the way to the world series. You get the call to start in the college world series against Clemson in 2010. Uh, talk about just kind of, what was going through your mind when you found out you were getting the start and kind of your emotions, you know, running through you maybe like the night before? Well, there must've been a uh, mix of signals because I didn't really know I was starting until the day before or until the day of. Um, I remember after the game, uh, we won an extra innings and I believe I threw that night. I think, I think it was Oklahoma and I may have thrown like an inning or something or a third. Um, and after the game, you know, everybody's kind of celebrating and there's kind of the madness and coach Hobart looks at me and is like, be ready to throw tomorrow. And I'm like, duh, you know, like I, I was lefty specials. I would come in and throw like a batter or two and throw the next day, the same thing. So I was just kind of thrown off by that. And then, um, they always did room checks. And so it got to curfew and coach Tanner and coach Calvi walked in and coach Calvi was like, Hey, are you, are you good to, throw tomorrow i was like yeah yeah i'm fine why and he's like are you good to start and i was like yeah i mean you know i was (laughs) didn't really and he's like all right and then that was it and i was and then we made a couple other jokes um and i was just i looked at adam and i was like i don't because adam matthews is my roommate and i was like what are they talking about you know i didn't really we didn't really understand what was going on so i wake up the next day and we had breakfast um and Jay Brown goes, Hey, are you starting today? I was like, I don't know. They hadn't told me anything. <laughs> um, so I finished breakfast and I get back up to my room and I got a text from my mom and she's like, Hey, good luck today. And I was like, uh, thank you. But why? like, what, what do you, what is different today than any other day? And she sent me like a link of something that said I was starting. And so I looked at Adam and I was like, Hey, I guess I'm starting today. Um, <laughs> so that was kind of how I found out I was officially starting. Um, and 
maybe I just didn't hear what Coach Calvin and Coach Tanner said that night. I don't know, but um, I didn't find out until super late. So I don't think I had anything. I, don't, I didn't really have much time to think about it, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's kind of the beginning of the Twitter sphere where everybody knows before you do. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, so in that game, obviously, I mean, I think you were only expected to go three or four innings. You know, I remember watching that game on TV and everyone saying, you know, if they can, if you can just give them three or four <laughs> solid innings and they'll kind of figure it out from there, you know. Uh, and you wind up obviously throwing a complete game shutout. Did you think yourself you could go the distance, or did you even surprise yourself by going the whole game? Um, you know, what's funny is uh, prior to the game, I was walking, I was leaving the hotel and I got on the same elevator as Coach Tanner and I get on there and he's like, uh, how many got in you today? And I was like, you know, Coach, I'll probably just throw until my arm falls off. And he's like, okay, so is that is that one inning? And <laughs> and I was like, ah, maybe one in the third, you know. Um, and so I, I, did I think that I would be able to throw nine innings? No, but I'd never really – put any expectations on myself when I was going in. Um, it was more like just – for me, it was every, every time I came off the field after throwing an inning, it was like, okay, let's just get one more inning. Um, I knew that we had been taxed uh, pitching-wise the night before, and I knew that if we were able to win this game and get to the next one with, with uh, Dyson on the hill, that we'd be in good shape. And so – after the after the first few innings, I, I just remember myself uh, telling myself like, "All right, let's just get one more, and then we'll uh, we'll turn it over to the bullpen." And um, that way, it just kind of let me, you know, with the way that I was thinking, it just eventually became nine innings. Uh, we played some great defense behind me. I know we made some really good plays, and that was able to keep my pitches down. I think I threw like a hundred pitches that game. And if it weren't for that, you know, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have been able to go throw a complete game. Absolutely. So uh, I got to ask, obviously there's a huge, huge, you know, fiery rivalry between South Carolina and Clemson. How, how fun was it to do what you did? Not only just to do it in the college rough series, but against your arch rival as well. Oh, it was awesome. I mean, and you know, we kind of knew the, the history of it too and what happened uh in the previous trips to Omaha with the older teams. Yeah, um, how that they, yeah and how they had beat Clemson uh like that. So we you know, we kinda knew the story and um you know, when we were able to do it it was it was super exciting. And uh, especially we had Steve Bondurant there when he was um he was our like uh like our our uh, school person, you know, he'd like check us into, um, and not the class, but like study hall and everything. So, right. you know, and I think he, I think he pitched that first game against Clemson like I did. So we were talking about it. I, I think he came up before the game and was like, rub my arm. And he was like, all right, let, let me give you some good luck. And so <laughs> I think, uh, I think it worked. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, just the overall run in 2010. Talk about, you know, the run you guys made, you know, being down, like you mentioned, your last strike against Oklahoma, having to beat Clemson twice, you know, coming back from all that um, and facing UCLA, who, I mean, you know, threw two of the best arms in college baseball and Trevor Bauer and Garrett Cole, two guys that are at the big league level, you know, doing what they do best. Just talk about kind of overall the 2010 season and the run you guys made to win it all. Um, you know, when we walked into 2010, uh, we were coming off, 
I remember coming into the 2010 season, we were coming off 2009 when we felt like we had, should have advanced to a super regional. Um, we were a couple outs away from advancing and we kind of let that slip through our fingertips. And um, we had some new guys coming in and um, we had a, uh, you know, that was when Adrian Morales walked in the door. Um, and, and so we felt like we had a pretty good team, you know, and we went through that year and we, we, we played some good series and, and uh, I just don't think we knew how good we were until we got to the playoffs. Um, and even then, I think we still didn't understand how tough we were as a team, like how good we could pitch. Um, and just the level, just the quality of players that we had. Uh, but I remember when we got to Omaha, we lost that very first game. And Adam and I didn't even unpack our bags because <laughs> we were like, oh, well, you know, at least we made it here. Um <laughs> And and then we went on and we beat Arizona and and then we just kept winning. And um, I think at the end of the year, you know, we were able to look back and be like, man, we had a pretty good squad and, and some, uh, you know, we had a team that just knew how to win and knew how to compete. Um, but it was a special run, you know, I mean, doing what we were able to do out of the losers bracket, we lost the first one and, and didn't look back, you know, we, we put, uh, what is that? Six, seven wins together, I guess. Maybe I, right. I can't remember. And to to win a to win a championship, and and you're right, we did it a bunch against a bunch of um, quality arms. Uh, but the thing is, too, is like you can't overlook some of the players that we had on our team. You know, Whit doing what he's done in the big leagues the last two years, Jackie Bradley, um, Sam Dyson. I mean, you know, we had some really good guys. That, we had some guys that are doing it in the pro levels and we have some guys that were just exceptional college baseball players. Yeah, absolutely. Those teams were stacked for sure. I was thinking just of 2010, you had Christian Walker as a freshman. I think Jackie Bradley was new to the squad and just guys like that. I know for sure that that, that team was stacked. Uh, fast forwarding to 2011, you guys went back to back. It kind of leads me into this question, which was 2011 for you guys more of a, cause you said, you know, you didn't really realize how good you were a bunch of young guys just, kind of going out there playing ball every day, just, you know, let the chips fall where they may and see what happens. In 2011, did you guys kind of fully expect, like, hey, you know, we're expecting to get back to Omaha and win it all again? Did you got, Were you guys kind of more self-aware, like, hey, we know how good we are and we expect to, you know, get back to Omaha and win it all? Or what was what was that like coming back in 2011? I would say our expectations were high, but we didn't necessarily mention um... – you know, winning a national championship again. Um, we knew that we were good. We knew that we had had a quality group of guys to come back, but we also knew how hard it was to do what we did um, and, and make it to Omaha. Just making it to Omaha is really tough. And then going on in Omaha and, and rattling off wins is, is tough also. Um, and so we knew how hard it was, but we did expect us – you know, we did expect to, to win the last game. That was kind of always the goal is to go in there and win the last game. Um, in 2011, we knew that we'd place, we'd face some pretty stiff competition with Vanderbilt and Florida. You know, Florida was kind of always a, our uh, in-conference rival with uh, the guys, the guys that they had down there. Um, and so 
we knew how good we were, but we also knew that it would be a fight. We knew that every team that we faced would, would come in there and um, they would want to knock us off. We had a, we had a target behind our back. Um, and so we knew we would have to, we wouldn't be able to just throw our gloves out there and win. So, but we had a, we had a fiery group again, you know, a bunch of those guys, all the guys on those teams were, um, they were scrappers, you know, like they, they had to scrap and fight and compete and, and never give up. And that was, that was kind of the trademark for those, uh, those two teams. Absolutely. So talking about you, for you personally in 2011, you know, obviously the Clemson game in 2010 sort of vaunted you into a starting role. Um, you know, you come into the year, you know, you go from throwing 40 innings in 2010 to 145 innings in 2011 as a starter. Talk about kind of just what you had to do um, to adjust, you know, taking on a workload like that in a season, you know, going from 40 innings to 145 and kind of what changed for you going from being just a, you know, I'd say just a bullpen situational guy to uh, the number one starter on that team. Well, the first thing was that I enjoyed it a, a heck of a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Being in the bullpens, you know, it's a great role. Uh, I did not appreciate it as much just cause I, I just was not a fan of it. Um, I liked the fact that you could play every day, but I didn't like, being cut off you know it felt like I would go and face a batter and then okay well that was it um and so I really enjoyed being able to have like my game you know and that's kind of what it feels like as a starter like you get the ball and like that's your game to go out there and and win for the team um and so that's what I really enjoy about starting and what I loved about the 2011 season and I remember going into it I um you know coach Tanner was kind of flippant or I guess wishy-washy as to whether he wanted me to start because I remember us having conversations he's like you know should we have you start or should we keep you in the bullpen and um I didn't really lobby for one way or the other uh but I think just because of the way it turned out that I that I was gonna start um and then I remember going into the season that was I think I was scheduled to start on a sat I was supposed to be like the Saturday guy the way it was lining up in scrimmages and then the week before he told me that I would be pitching on Friday and so that was kind of how I got the Friday job and um you know it was it was exciting it was kind of Can you hear me? Yep, I got you back now. Okay. Sorry. No, you're good. Um, so that kind of vaulted me into like a more of a leadership position and, um, you know, just being the Friday guy comes with a lot of responsibility. You get to set the tone each weekend. And I loved it. It was so much fun. Uh, and especially, you know, with the team that we had and the defense that we had, it was just – it was a lot of fun to go out there every Friday night and then for the rest of the weekend, just try to cheer on the guys and, and help them however you could. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's it's one of the biggest things I'd say probably from what you did going to the pen to that Friday night rules, just definitely the mental approach. And you definitely get a, did a great job with that, obviously. Um, you know, talking about 2011, obviously went back to back. But, you know, the one thing I want to highlight, you guys set the record for most consecutive NCAA tournament wins with 22, most consecutive wins in the College World Series with 12. Do you think that's something that will ever even be contested again, or do you think that's a once in, you know, kind of a legendary once-in-a-lifetime kind of run? 
I'm not quite sure, to be honest with you. I mean, it, it was a difficult, difficult task to do. And to be honest with you, while we're when we were in the middle of it, a lot of the players didn't even know. Um, I wasn't even highly aware of like how we were rattling off wins and with all the postseason wins and, and college world series wins. Um, you know, with the way college baseball is going, there's there's so many teams with so many talented players. I think it might be hard for a team to go go do what we did, but I wouldn't be surprised. At the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a uh, a team that just gets hot like we did, you know, and and they they find a core group of guys. You know, there's those ten to fifteen guys that they're that they build that they're building around for you know two to three years, and they're able to make a run at the at the College World Series. Why that's um, if that's the case. Absolutely. And you talked about, you know, being a part of those teams, obviously, and what made them so special, that win anyway kind of attitude. I remember you guys were, you know, very adamant about that. Carolina baseball, just win anyway. Talk about sort of how you guys carried that. And I, I think it was both 2010, 2011 into 2012. I think that was just sort of ba- Carolina baseball's mantra. You know, talk about what made that so special, kind of how that came about and, you know, what that meant to you. Well, first I'd say a culture – within an organization is created by its leader. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, obviously the, the, the first praise goes to coach Tanner and, and just the, um, the culture he was able to kind of cultivate in that program one, uh, throughout his, throughout all of his years. Um, you know, we knew that there was a, a lot of history in the South Carolina program and, and coach Tanner definitely put his mark on it. Um, and when we were there, you know, in this, in the fall, one of the things that we always talked about from my freshman year on was being tougher than the other team. Um, and just being competitive. And one thing coach Tanner always harped about in the fall and beyond was just competing. That was something he always brought up was compete. You know, when he would cheer you on and yell, he'd be like, he would say compete out there or something. And so and I think if you look at that that term, it's just just that. Like, go out there and and bust your ass and try to do everything that you need to do in order to be successful out on the field, whether it's at at an individual at bat or throwing a pitch. And so, Coach Tanner kind of drove that into us. And when, um, and so when things became tough. You know, when you're in a tight situation, we always knew how to how to get out of that. And that was really to just be mentally tough and compete. Um, and then, you know, with 2010, well, the other good thing about the team was we had, um, you know, we, we had some uh, – pause, let me go back. The other thing about Coach Tanner is that, you know, he didn't make us – it wasn't all about baseball. We, you know, we had to do some mandatory communication community service um and and that was really just i think to to help us gain perspective you know when you're in college you kind of live inside of a bubble um where you can and doing that community service um really helped us just gain perspective and and meet people um that maybe we wouldn't otherwise meet and and come into contact with individuals that we wouldn't otherwise 
uh, come into contact with. And one of those was Baylor Teal. Um, and we met him in the middle of that 2010 um, season. And then, you know, he uh, he passed away in, in the middle of the College World Series in 2010 during that Oklahoma game. And so seeing like the fight of a little kid um, battling cancer and seeing some of the other things that, you know, that we would go to the children's hospital for um, that's kind of the, the fight and the competitiveness that we wanted to bring on the field. And so having coach Tanner instill that in us and then having the type of players that we had that really grabbed a hold on hold of that and held each other accountable is what created that win anyway culture that, you know, we were able to, to bring, you know, for the remainder of my years there. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely remember that with Baylor, T- Baylor Teal. Absolutely awesome story. Um, kinda, you know, obviously what he meant to you guys. Um, you know, moving ahead to the 2011 College World Series, you guys faced the Florida Gators, a team you were obviously extremely familiar with and what I'd consider a pretty crazy series, especially game one. Um, talk about, you know, playing Florida. I mean, again, a team you guys were very, very familiar with in the SEC East. What was that kind of like? I mean, you know, facing up with them again after you'd already matched up with them in the regular season? Uh, I think we – that was our – that was even our – the first game in the finals was our second game playing them in Omaha, maybe. Yeah, it think, was. It was. I think was you're that, right. Yeah, I think you're right. So, I think we knew each other really well. Um, yeah. And I think Forrest started that game, right? Uh, yeah, in 2011. Did, yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, we, we knew it was going to be tough. You know, we knew how good Florida was. We knew that on paper, uh, according to to everyone else, that we probably were supposed to lose. Uh, But again, we kind of knew how good we were. We knew that we were, you know, we felt like if we could get that game into a situation uh, that benefited us, that we'd be able to win. And there were parts in that game, you know, when Jake Williams made that throw to nail the guy at home, we were all going crazy. And I think – I forget who I looked at, but I looked at somebody and I was like, we're not going to lose this game, you know, um, especially Jake. And I love Jake and, and he would agree with this, but he did not have the best arm. And for him to make that <laughs> throw um, was nothing short of a miracle. And, and then, you know, the, what we dealt with, with bases loaded and, and everything um, in that game. I mean, we just had so many things going for us uh, in that, in that very first game and heck even in even in the game when we played uh virginia when we played yeah, I remember uh, the virginia one i mean even that game that that's the game that got us to the finals even that game we had so many things go our way and i wouldn't say it was just lucky bounces because you know we kind of forced some of that um but we definitely had some luck on our side and part of that was just because of we kind of willed that our way you know we went up there and we grinded out at bat we played incredible defense and when you have a guy like scott wingo at second base <laughs> you can always turn a double play as long as there's someone to get turn a double play with you know he's he just has that ability um and when when we made some of those plays in the florida game we felt like we weren't going to lose 
Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I want to get to a couple of things you had mentioned because, uh, you know, like I mentioned, we had Forrest Kumas on the show last summer. He, he kind of echoed some of the same things you said, but you know, you talked about Scott Wingo and I was actually going to bring up, you know, the bases loaded jams and just some of the plays in that game. One, I remember very clearly the double play. I mean, is he the best defensive glove you've ever played with? Cause I, I mean, some of the plays he'd make was like wizardry out there. Well, I would say I'm I've played with some really good guys in professional baseball. Um and I can't say that Scott's better than him, but I would say Scott's probably one of the best um one of the best at fielding his position. Um I played with Scott in high school and he was just I mean, he was incredible. He played short and that that's how he that was that was something that he, you know, he honed his skill and his craft of, of fielding a baseball, no matter where he was, um, and so that's that was his thing, you know, and and in two and um, in two thousand eleven he uh, he had a heck of a series too. Um, I think he won the. Did he win the most valuable player? I think player he did win year? the MVP. Yeah, I think he won the MVP that year. I think he did. And so I mean, that was just a. You know, and that wasn't because that that definitely wasn't just because of his defensive um, prowess. But uh, you know, the other thing to remember about that game is Walker had hurt his um, had broken his uh, hand. He broke a bone in his hand, and um, going into that game, I was taking ground balls at first base because they didn't know if Christian was going to be able to play, and. Christian ended up playing. He took some BP and he ended up playing with that broken hand. It was a, and it was a broken hamate bone in his hand. Um, and he literally played with like half of his, half of his hand numb. And I, I think he may have scored the winning run or got, I think he got two hits that he game. Must say, I think he had a couple of big and, that game. <clears throat> yeah. He, he got a couple hits that, that game. And I mean, when we saw once Christian, you know, made it into the lineup and got a hit, I think we also felt like we were never going to lose that game uh, as early on as, as the opening of, uh, of the game, just because, you know, Christian was playing and, and he had the ability to go out there and change the game with one swing. And, you know, that's, that's still one of the most badass moves I've seen from anybody I've ever played with. Christian was a tough SOB and for him to go out there and play with a broken handmate bone and, not even just play, but like get some hits and score some runs um, and play defense. That was, that's one of the toughest things I've ever seen on a baseball field. Absolutely. And the other thing I wanted to bring up, you know, you had talked about Jake Williams and the throw that he made to, uh, you know, to gun the runner at home plate just to keep the game going. It was funny. We had, like I mentioned, Forrest Kumis on here and he even told me that he said, he said, as soon as that ball was hit the left, we were all just like, oh, shit, oh, shit. <laughs> he's like, that throw, he's like, I still don't know to this day how he made it, but, God, he, he gunned him, so that's all that matters. Oh, yeah, I, I think I turned around, actually. <laughs> I think once the ball was hit in the left field, I'm pretty sure I, like, I was hanging onto the, the railing and I turned around and I was like, damn it, you know? Right. And then I looked up and I, <laughs> and I had, like, stepped back because there was, like, a step up, and I had stepped down and I looked – and I looked and saw the ball in the air, and I like ran back up to the thing and saw he got he threw him out, and I was, I and mean, we just went crazy, you know, because I'm pretty sure everyone thought 
that we were screwed. Um, but <laughs> Jake was just uh, throw of his life, touched by yeah. Jake was just uh, touched by God in that in that throw, you know. <laughs> yeah, like angels in the outfield or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, we I mean we had some crazy stuff, you know. With that base was loaded with with those two plays. I mean, Scott made a pick. He made a pick and threw the guy out at home. Yeah, and I, and I then, remember the one they almost hit Robert Barry's mask. Yeah, Barry, and Barry about. scooped it like a first baseman. Yeah. And, um, I mean, it was just some insane stuff that you see on a baseball field. And, you know, in the moment, you kind of – you don't really realize how crazy it is. But when you look back on, on it, it's – you just kind of – I mean, the only thing you can say is, wow. Yeah, I was going to ask you, is that the craziest baseball game you think you're, you've ever been a part of or has there been one to top that? Yeah, that's, that's probably one of the – yeah, that's probably one of the craziest games I've ever been a part of. I mean, high-level stress. Uh, the worst part is, like, being on the bench. You know, when you're on the bench, you can't even Absolutely. do anything but just cheer people on and do nothing crazy. So I see why fans go go nuts. <laughs> um, and, I mean, yeah, it was a high-stress game. Um, every, I mean, I just remember every out was just intense. And it was a blast. It was a lot of fun, some of the best, you know, Probably one of the best baseball games I've I've been a part of. Absolutely. So yeah, um, obviously you know you guys won the next night. You know beat Florida five to two in that game. Won back to back titles. Just talk about you know from a bigger picture what that meant for you guys. Not only for you guys, but to bring that to the University of South Carolina baseball program back to back national championships. Uh, well, first you know it was just uh, it was just a big accomplishment for us in two thousand eleven. You know, that that was the main thing was that we were able to go out there and and put a team together and make it through the grind of a regular season, uh, deal with some of the difficult stuff that we dealt with. I mean, if you look through 2011, we had some crazy stuff. I remember when we were in Mississippi State, we Jackie Brett, Jackie hurt his wrist. That night, Evan had some heart thing and couldn't play the next day. Um, and... We, you know, we had Stephen Neff playing outfield, and he goes on a tear for the next like three weeks and helps us get to the College World Series. Um, you know, we we just had guys step up week in and week out, and you know, it really was a full squad that that helped us get to the College World Series, and then a full squad that helped us win the thing. Um, and so, when you look at it like that, just over the course of 2011, it was incredible for us to do what we did. Uh, but then just being able to look at what we did previously in 2010 and, and win, win the last game and, uh, at the old stadium and then open up the, uh, the new stadium, TD Ameritrade, with, um, with a championship was, you know, that was kind of what we wanted to do. I remember when after 2010, we drove by – the new park that was being built and coach Tanner had mentioned is, Hey guys, uh, don't you want to come in here in this new park next year and win one? Um, and that was kind of all he said in 2010 and, you know, and we were able to do it. And so it was, it was a ton of fun. And obviously for the fans that have supported us all these, all those years um, for Gamecock fans who maybe thought they had never would never see a national championship, much less two, um, you know, it became, you know, it felt like a, a great time to be a Gamecock. And, uh, you know, we were just able to – to. It, it was special for all 35 guys. And, 
you know, that, that coaching staff and it was a, you know, a lot of fun. Absolutely. So, you know, I want to ask you this, I feel like I kind of know what you're going to say, but what would you say the better team is 2010 or 2011? <laughs> and I don't know. That's, uh, um, that's really hard. Maybe, maybe 2011, just because we knew how good we were. You know, I don't, I don't really know. That'd be super tough to, to say. And, and everybody always asks me, which is the, the best, you know, which national championship do I like more? And that's another hard thing to say. You know, it's each one has its own, has its own, own memories. You know, in 2010, it was so fresh and such a surprise. And in 2011, it was, um, you know, it was just such a, it was such a triumph through what we had been through the whole year. Um, and so each one had their own feelings, you know, it wasn't, it didn't feel like deja vu. It felt like a completely new moment. And so it was each, each one was super special to me. And I'm sure, I'm sure everybody else would say the same. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know how I forgot to bring it up, but the, you know, 2010 with the Whit Merrifield, obviously with the walk-off, I mean, that was, I know for Gamecock fans, I was watching. That was incredible. I mean, that was absolutely incredible game. You know, in 2011, obviously had its drama too. So, like you said, I mean, yeah, to the so that walk off game might be the only game that tops the Florida game. To be honest right. with you, just because of the win. And I remember <laughs> the craziest thing was Scott Wingo had a three and two count, and Coach Tanner told him to bunt because he knew that coach he knew that Scott would not bunt at a ball, but he knew he'd probably swing at a ball. And sure enough, it was a ball, and Scott didn't oh man that was just some of the crazy things that happened over the course of a season but that was funny absolutely so uh 2012 you know you guys make it all the way back to the college world series final but lose to arizona really really good arizona team i might add um even though you didn't win it all you know that year how special was it to you know be one of the few teams in college baseball i'd say history to go to three straight college world series finals well for those of us that were older and had been around, um, it was pretty special to kind of show the younger guys the ropes. I think in that year, you know, at any given time, we had five, you know, about five new guys in a lineup every night. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, some of the older guys really just – we kind of forced – those younger guys to to go to Omaha <laughs> we kind of kind of drug them with us and you know I mean we had some really good players on there like you know Grayson Griner was an excellent catcher and and walked in and and was able to catch a really good staff and and catch a, a really good um, really good games every time that he was out there you know along with Dante Rosenberg um, and then yeah Joey Pancake out there and Tanner English I mean guys that were really helping the team and and really helped us get to Omaha. Um, And as far as getting there, it just felt like something we should do. You know, we felt like no, no matter who we lost in the previous year, we felt like we had, we still had the capability of getting there and we did. Um, And we really, you know, we, we fought our way to the championship again, you know, it was kind of that same mentality, that we had had the two previous years was just just find a way to win and go out there and compete and we did that up until 
up until the um, finals. You know, I remember, you know, it was funny just how I had mentioned earlier how we were getting kind of things to go our way, every bounce and, you know, or every miracle throw. Um, it was the game two that I was pitching uh, against Arizona. And I think at the very beginning of the game, like they made a diving play to, to rob a hit that would probably would have been a big hit or like a big leadoff hit. And then they were winning one to nothing. And it was like in the fourth. And I think we had just crushed a ball and some guy made a stupid catch out in the outfield and Christian was sitting right next to me. And I looked at him and I was like, you know what? I was like, this must this this feeling that we're feeling right now is probably what Florida felt last year when everything was going our way um, because it feels like everything's going Arizona's way. Um, you know, and, and Christian kind of shook his head. He was like, yeah, this is insane. And sure enough, you know, they um, they went on to beat us and we weren't out of the game by any means, you know, at, at four when we were down by one in the fourth. But it – um it definitely felt like they they kind of had all the momentum. They had all the bounces going their way. Um, but we put together a good run, you know, and I will I will still remember how much losing that game hurt, you know. Winning the two previous years uh, was great, but still that, that 2012, you know, seeing them accept their, their, um, their trophy and their, like, individual things was just uh, – it, it still hurt a lot, and especially for it to be my last game at South Carolina, there was a, a ton of emotions there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think to come that far, you know, you can only imagine all the uh, blood, sweat, and tears you guys put in for sure. But um, talking about, you know, just the whole stretch, tons of talents on the teams you played from, not just the national title teams, but 2009 to 12, you know, your whole career. Uh, who would you say, in your opinion, is the best overall player that you ever played with at South Carolina? Best overall player. Um, I think I'd have to go Wit. To be honest with you, um, you know, Wit was a guy that when we were there, he was kind of they were kind of he, he's kind of always been just undersized, or there's always been a knock on him. And the one thing that he knew how to do was he just knew how to play baseball. I mean, he he's a baseball player. Um, he knows the game mentally and he figures out a way to play. And, you know, when he was a freshman, he was playing second base. Right. Um, and then when I walked in my freshman year, his sophomore year, we moved to the outfield. Um, and then I think we moved him again, his junior year, you know, and in his pro career, he's pretty much played every position. So um, he was a guy that just, when you put him on the field, you could tell he was a baseball player and he, um, you know, he's just, he, he's made himself into a really good hitter uh, professionally as well. And so it's um, just to see what he's been able to do is, is pretty incredible. You know, it took him a while to get to the big leagues and, and, but since he's been there, he's done, you know, he's kind of gone off and, and been really good for the Royals and, um, you know, I think it's, I would have to pick Witt. It'd be between him and it'd be between Witt and Jackie, but uh, I think I'd have to vote for Witt on that. Sorry, Jackie. Yeah, definitely. It's been, <laughs> yeah. It's been fun to watch, uh, Whit Merrifield's progression. I mean, like you mentioned, just, you know, when you look at him, I mean, he's, he's a ball player. There's no, no other way to put it, but yeah, I was, I was about to say, I think I might've, uh, 
I might have said Jackie Bradley just because, I mean, he's he's just a baller, too. I mean, they're both kind of similar, I feel like. But, I mean, he's an absolute stud, too. So, but not, yeah, too, not Jackie's, too bad. Guys I mean, Jackie's, Jackie's kind of the – the one thing that I remember is when Jack, when we came in my freshman year, I came in with Jackie in 2000, uh, in the fall of 2008, we came in together and, um, I mean, he was just better than the rest of us, like <laughs> just better than the rest of us as freshmen. Um, you know, and he's, he's still better than a lot of us. Um, and, but I just incredible player, but just the way I've seen wit grow has been, um, that for me just puts him above Jackie as far as, all-around player yeah absolutely i remember reading when you know jackie obviously first got there they were saying yeah there's just there's this kid on south carolina's team hit 104 miles an hour from the outfield and i remember everybody was just like whoa so <laughs> remember <laughs> yeah. for sure um talk yeah, about I wish you know, I... go ahead no, go ahead sorry i was i was gonna say i wish i could hit that on the mound <laughs> or even remotely close to that <laughs> yeah and that yeah that kind of actually leads me to what i want i wanted to ask you next you know obviously you're a guy who um, you know, I would call a crafty lefty. I mean, somebody who obviously, like you mentioned, you know, velocity, not your strong suit, if you will. I mean, you're not a guy hitting 95, 96 on the gun. Talk about, you know, you know, when you were in college and to now especially, but when you're in college, you know, sort of what you had to do, not just from a mental standpoint, but just sort of your game plan, you know, you know, knowing and kind of acknowledging who you were. And I remember obviously in 2011, I believe it was, you know, you started – uh, changing up with arm slots, you know, for the lefties, you kind of drop down with them. Um, just talk about kind of your mindset and your overall mental game, and you know, attacking hitters. So when I came in as a freshman, I was kind of a, uh, I was kind of a righty specialist as a lefty because I, I had a really good change up and I threw, you know, I threw two seamers and change ups and my curveball wasn't very good and my slider wasn't very good either. Um, and so I, I really was, a lot better against righty than I was lefties. And because at that time, like throwing a left on left changeup was like unheard of. And I don't know why I didn't think of it sooner because I do it now, but um, I should have done it sooner. Um, but then my sophomore year, I remember I was turning double plays at first base and coach Calvi came up to me and he pulled me aside. He's like, hey, have you ever thought of throwing sidearm? And I looked at him like he was insane. And he was like, well, let's go throw a bullpen. So he made me throw a 20-pitch bullpen, all sidearm. And um, afterwards, he was like, how does that feel? And I was like, awful. And he's like, okay, good, stick with it. Um, you know, and he, he straight up told me, he's like, listen, you know, we got a bunch of – we've got a bunch of guys that can get righties out, and if you want to get on the field, um, you're going to have to find a way to make yourself valuable. Uh, and that was the one thing I appreciate about the staff the whole time that I was there. They were, they were upfront, you know, they told you, they told you like it was. Um, and so then I started dropping down because he was like, I needed to be better against lefties. So that's how I became a lefty specialist was I started dropping down and throwing sidearm. Um, and so I went to, we had a sidearm righty who kind of did, who bounced around angles. It was Pat Sullivan. And I was like, how do you throw your slider? So he taught me how to throw a slider from sidearm. And, um, but really I just, I, I never threw the same pitch in the same location twice. You know, that was kind of my, my ability was that I was able to throw a fastball change up slider for strikes. And, um, if you can do that in college, you can keep hitters off balance. Uh, the biggest thing about, you know, hitters are always trying to time up pitchers. And for the most part, pitchers are 
just trying to screw up that timing. And, you know, I didn't have the fastball to blow them away. So I never tried to do that. I just threw, you know, I just kept them off balance. You know, I wanted them to be out in front on a changeup or on a changeup or to be behind, to be late on a fastball. And um, if I wasn't, and the other good thing was I was, I was able to control the ball pretty well. Um, I wouldn't say I had great command um, because I didn't, you know, I didn't necessarily command the ball great, but I knew how to pick the zone. And I was able to to just live on the outside corner and then surprise them with, with something in. And that just allowed me to, to really grow into myself as a pitcher and, and kind of who I am today. And it's not all that different. It's just – I know how to set up hitters a little bit better. I also have to be more in the strike zone when you're in, you know, as you climb the levels, that strike zone gets a little bit smaller. Um, right. And, you know, it, it bought me time to make my pitches better. And so now there's a little bit more life on my fastball and, you know, I've been able to make my change up a little bit better. I've, I have a pretty good curveball now. I have a lot better slider. And so that that gap of time between my sophomore, you know, and, and junior year was able to kind of help me get through to pitch. And then also it helped me improve my game. Absolutely. So like you mentioned, uh, the adjustment, you know, college to pro, there's obviously a ton. But you were drafted by the Angels in 2012. Um, what would you say for you has been the biggest adjustment overall from college baseball to professional? Uh, having a new team every year. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah that'll probably I've do it. <laughs> yeah. I've bounced around a bunch, probably a little bit more than, than, uh, most guys do early on in their career. Um, you know, when I got drafted in 2012, I went straight to rookie ball in Orem, Utah. And after those two months, because I had thrown like 140 innings, I was only able to throw two innings every time I went out there. So I was like on a normal starter schedule, but throwing two innings every time. And after that, two, those two months, I hated pro ball. I was like, this sucks. <laughs> um, and it was probably just the, you know, it was definitely just because I couldn't go pitch. Um, and I wasn't able to just go go out there and like, be free. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I showed up in 2013, um, you know, talk about a whirlwind of a year. Um, you know, I showed up in, in camp and, you know, I was hoping to really, I was hoping to break with a high A team and ended up breaking with the double A team. And, and then after one start, I got called up to the big leagues. Um, you know, and I, it basically throughout that whole year, I would wake up each day, not knowing, whether I was in Little Rock or Anaheim, um, because of how much I went back and forth to the big league team in Double A, um, you know what's funny is I showed up to spring training and I was pitching well, and you know I think they were, I kind of knew they were debating whether they wanted to send me to Double A or send me to High A, and the assistant GM Scott Service, who's the manager of the Seattle Mariners right now, he um, he came up to me and was like, "So uh, where do you want to pitch this year?" Or he was like, where do you, where do you think you should pitch this year? And I looked him straight in the eye and I said, the big leagues. Um, (laughs) So my advice to anybody out there is whenever somebody asks you where you think you should be, you should tell them where you want to (laughs) be. Cause for me, it worked. I don't know if that's, I don't know if it'll work for you, but it worked for me. Um, But yeah, that was a crazy year, you know, in, in pro ball, um, you know, I also jumped some velocity when I got to pro ball. I don't know what it was or um, 
you know, what happened, but velocity is kind of, it's like a fickle thing. Um, my first year in pro ball, I was 88 to, I hit like 92 a couple of times, which was unheard of. I didn't even sniff that in, in college. <laughs> um, and then now I'm kind of, you know, I'm 87 to 90, touch 91, but mostly around that 88, 89 range. So it's, I don't understand velocity. I don't know why it bounces around. Um, I wish I did because then I could try to make myself throw 94. But again, I'm not that guy. So, um, you know, I, pro ball has been a blast. I've gone to places that I never would have thought that I've been playing baseball. You know, I've played baseball in Germany, played baseball in the Dominican Republic, um, you know, and, and hopefully there's some other opportunities out there that I wouldn't think that I would have done. Uh, but professional baseball has been a lot of fun and uh, I'm just super thankful to still be able to, to be able to do it. And I'm, you know, six years removed from college, which is kind of crazy to think about. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'll ask this simply put, how awesome is a pitching, you know, in a big league park when you get that call, you know, maybe the first time you get that call, you're getting the call to the big leagues out. How, how awesome was that for you? It's pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> you know, I remember, you know, my first time out, my first, when I made my debut, um, that was such a crazy day, uh, especially cause it was my first full season in professional baseball. I didn't really know what was going on. And, you know, I walked in the clubhouse and, um, I ended up throwing two innings against the Houston Astros and I got the win because pull holes hit a walk-off double. Um, and I was out there celebrating with a bunch of guys and they didn't even know who the hell I was. Um, but I'll never forget that moment. I was sitting, you know, and they, they gave me like a beer Gatorade shower, um, after the game for my first win. And, and, um, I did all the media stuff and, and I just remember I didn't want to leave that locker room that night because of how just awesome a moment, you know, I mean, I had realized a dream that I'd always had, um, you know, I've, and each moment that I've get to pitch and each debut that I've made every season, um, has been pretty special. Um, even though, even if it hasn't gone my way, um, you know, like in 2016, I pitched against the Red Sox and got blasted. Um, and even still, that was, that was awesome to be able to pitch at Fenway. Um, you know, I'd love to be able to get a shot to pitch, uh, to pitch in the big leagues this year. Um, you know, one more opportunity would be great because it, it's uh, it's always something special when you get to step on a big league mound. I mean, to be honest with you, it's pretty special to step on any mound. It's a, it's just a lot of fun to go out there, and there's not many things in the world that are um, that I get that feeling like I do pitching. Um, it's kind of just a it's a it's an awesome feeling going out there and competing and, and just you know it's you versus someone else and it's um, it's a unique feeling. Absolutely. Yeah. The cat and mouse game for sure. Um, I'll ask you, you know, just frankly, is there anything that you feel, cause obviously you've bounced between pro, you know, the major league level and obviously the minor league level. What would you say at this point right now in your career is the one thing maybe you need to, or is there anything you need to improve or fix to get back to that level? Is there anything, what are you working on right now in your game? That's kind of the biggest, biggest area of opportunity for you. You feel like. Yeah. So one of the one things that I learned my, in 2013, my first year when I was in the big leagues was when I got there, I was like, okay, now it's just time to execute, you know, like now it's, now's the time to just go out there and, and execute. Um, and 
what I learned that year was that once you get to the big leagues, it's not just about execution because those guys are trying to learn too. You know, when the guys, when you're in the big leagues, you're not, you're not, you're the best at what you're doing, no doubt, but you're still learning how to stay the best. (laughs) I mean, or how to get better. Um, And when I was up there and I was young, I, you know, I remember coach wanted me to make an adjustment. I was like thinking, why does he want me to change stuff? Like I just got to the big leagues. Like, you know, (laughs) why do I need to change something? Um, And so I'm always learning Um, guys. uh, uh, I've been around who are, you know, big league veterans, they're always learning. Um, so that, that never stops. I don't think that stops in baseball. I don't think that stops in life. And, but right now for me, um, it, it sounds so simple, but I mean, it's just, it's just location. I mean, it's just execution, like going out there and being able to dot up an arm side fastball without, hesitation or or anything is is something that i need to be able to do um and oftentimes i'm able to do it um you know making my curveball sharper making my slider sharper uh throwing a better change up or throwing a change up that looks like a strike out of the hand and turns into a ball so you get more of a swing and miss um all those things are i'm constantly trying to improve my game uh, and make every pitch look like it's the same right out of my hand and it's a strike and then it turns into a ball. Uh, that's what we're ultimately always trying to do. And so it's, it's really just, it's, there's nothing, there's nothing big that I'm working on. It's more just like fine tuning things that I've been working on since I picked up a baseball and tried to throw a strike. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It makes perfect sense. Um, what's been your favorite organization? Obviously, you've been with a ton. What's been your favorite organization you've been with? Um, I really enjoyed my time with Texas. Um, you know, each one has been pretty cool. You know, when I was with the Angels, obviously, they, they gave me the opportunity to play play professional baseball. Uh, they introduced me to the big leagues. Um that that was pretty special and then my time with the indians was really cool i met a lot of good good guys and um i had a great start to the year and then and then kind of fell off near the end um texas was a ton of fun i just really liked the way they handled um they handled things they they had a really we had a great triple a staff when i was there i was in round rock in 2016 um that that was just a great group um and then last year I was with the Giants and the Rays, and it was such a short stint that I probably didn't get the <laughs> the whole feel, you know, for either of them. Um, and then this year here with the Cubs, you know, I've, I'm a week and a half in, so I can't really talk too much about it. But um, they seem like a great organization as well, and, and obviously a ton of history. Um, so I've really enjoyed my time with all of them. And uh, but Texas was a lot of fun being in Round Rock, right outside Absolutely. Austin. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, one thing I want to touch on, you know, you're really adamant about, I remember when you were in college and, you know, definitely now you're really big advocate on your life being bigger than baseball. You know, I think your Twitter bio is something like, you know, baseball is what I do, not who I am. Um, Talk about, you know, what your life is like outside of baseball, what your biggest interests are and kind of what that, I guess, what that slogan or what that, you know, obviously what your Twitter bio kind of means to you overall. Yeah, of course. That's a constant fight, you know, not, not identifying yourself as, uh, 
as what you do. Um, I don't think that's, that's just in my realm as an athlete. I think that's, that's, you know, that's probably in everybody's, I think as a, as men, you know, we tend to identify ourselves a lot with, with our careers and, and, um, and like, you know, the first question everybody asks you really, it's like, you tell them your name and then they ask you what you do. So, um, that's almost like an identifier for, for us and our culture. Um, so that's something that, you know, when I was younger, I recognized that, that I would need to fight. Um, and so far I'm fighting a good fight. You know, it's, there's definitely times when, um, you know, I've kind of gotten lost. I don't see that perspective. Um, you know, and, and so my life outside of baseball, really, it's just recognizing that, that I'm not, that I'm not just a baseball player, that I'm not a, that my value isn't held in baseball. Um, really, really, it's just that my value is held um, in, in that I'm a son of God, um, you know, made in, made in God's image. And so that, that, um, that gives me, you know, that's my identification is that, uh, is the Lord that I'm a son of son of God. And, and then I'm made in his image and, and all the characteristics that he's given me. Um, and, and that speaks value into me, not, not the baseball career. Um, and that's something that's, you know, difficult. Uh, that's that godly perspective is super hard. Um, that's why you just kind of have to realign your thoughts almost daily. Uh, maybe even a little bit more than that, like every minute. Um, <laughs> and, um, uh, but as far as the other things that I, that are important to me, um, my family, you know, my wife, Rachel is super important to me. She's a Gamecock. So, um, you know, she should be, she's approved by, <laughs> by all of South Carolina. Um, uh, but yeah, so, you know, just, uh, speaking, speaking love and encouragement into my marriage, uh, into my wife is important. And then, uh, things we love to do is we love to travel. You know, we've, we lived in Hawaii one off season. We've been, we've been to London, Paris, Amsterdam, Prague. Um, we went to Bora Bora on our honeymoon. So we like to travel and get around, um, and, um, uh, one of the things that I started doing, uh, two years ago is getting interested in commercial real estate. So I kind of do that in the off season in Greenville. Um, so that's another thing that I like. I've always been, I've always driven by places and I've, you know, just been intrigued why that is what it is. You know, why is that a, um, a Walgreens or why are they turning that into something or what should some, what should go there? Um, so I, I got into commercial real estate and I really, really enjoy that and think that might be something I'm, I'm interested in after baseball. Um, and really just, uh, enjoying time with friends and family. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I really, you know, that, that's a great message. I think a lot of people, not just in baseball, but just through life, like you talked about kind of, you know, being able to separate, you know, what you do versus who you are, I think is a, something that we can all for sure uh, apply to our own lives. So um, I'm going to, yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, uh, it's yeah, something sure. I, I still have a book that I'm, I have a book I'm reading <laughs> about that. And it's, um, you know, and it's like, you know, you're, you're constantly trying to learn. Um, it's, it's like how to, how do you integrate your work with, with who you are as a person? And, you know, that's just, we spend, you know, the fact of life is that we spend the majority of our time, um, 
at work, you know, and so we're shaped and molded by that, but obviously that can't become, that can't become, or, you know, it can't be because sometimes it can be. Um, but for me, I can't, I can't hold my worth and my value in my outing that night as a pitcher. Absolutely. No, a hundred percent agree with you. I think you drive yourself, probably drive yourself crazy doing that with how difficult the game baseball is. Um, for sure. So I'm going to get you out here, Michael. I've got a couple quick hitter questions for you. Um, just you can answer just one word or kind of as much as you want, but just some like quick hitter fun questions. Um, best hitter you ever face? Um, David Ortiz. All right. Favorite teammate? Wow. That's that's tough. <laughs> um. <laughs> got to put somebody <laughs> on the spot, right? I know, man. Um Favorite teammate. I'm going to go with – I'll go with Pat Sullivan. That was college. He was uh, – he was he's one of my favorites. Uh, I mean, there are so many teammates in college that were probably the best teammates ever. Mm. And then I've played with a, a ton of good guys in professional baseball as well. Absolutely. Um, has Christian Walker's home run at Coastal Carolina landed yet? <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> um funniest story from college if you have one. Oh man one that i can tell you huh <laughs> yeah exactly um, <laughs> oh man let me think funniest story oh i think this is a pretty funny story and coach Tanner might get mad at me for telling it um <laughs> but we had a snow day in 2012 or was it 12? Maybe it was 11. I don't know, but it snowed a ton. And it was the first day back to school and like they had canceled class and coach Tanner sent out a text that was like, if you don't feel comfortable, like, you know, no official practice, um, but we're doing this from this time. And, but if you don't feel comfortable and don't come in and Adam Matthews had a truck and I had a car and I looked at Adam, I was like, hey, are you going to go in? Because if so, I'll ride it with you. And he's like, no, nah, I don't want to drive in the snow. And I mean, I think we had like five inches, so it was a good amount. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't end up going in that day, and I shut up the next day, and uh, Coach Tanner was pissed at me and <laughs> me and Adam. And I was um, I was like, Coach, I – I was like, I, I can't drive in my car. And he's like, your roommate has a truck. Why didn't you ride with him? And I was like, listen, he said he wasn't capable. He didn't want to drive in the truck. And, I mean, he has, like, one of these big trucks with, like, mud tires. And we still (laughs) didn't go. And we should. And Coach Tanner's like, what, are you afraid of getting in a fender bender? And Adam and I look at each other. And I remember we looked at Coach Tanner. We're like, listen, Coach, you make enough money. If you get in a fender bender, you can pay for it. But we don't. And (laughs) he got so pissed at us that we didn't show up. But that's – I think we had, I think we almost missed two days because of it. But Coach Tanner was hot because we didn't drive in with Adam's mudding mud tires on his truck. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I'm not sure if you drink, but if you do, favorite beer. Um, favorite beer. Um, I'm a big Belgian style beer guy, so not now, not like. Uh, not like Stella, but more like the the Trapels and the, the stuff like the Trapeze kind. So I would say like Chimay is probably some of my favorite. Um, Birds Fly South in Greenville 
has a really good beer that's like a Belgian style style beer beer that I like called um, Year End. But I really I st- I like the Belgians. Those are kind of my favorite favorite style beers. Awesome. I'm uh, I am not an IPA guy. Not an IPA. Dude, that, that's me. I'm the IPA. I, I like the IPAs actually. I'm. I'll be honest with you. I'm more of a uh, of a liquor guy, whiskey. Prep my preference. So I, I don't know. Gotcha. Too, I don't know too much on the craft beer scene, but I'll take your word for it. I um, I stick <laughs> with I I stay away from liquor for the most part, and I stick with beer and wine. There you go. So, that, that's the smart thing yeah. to do for sure. <laughs> um, your opinion: best pitch in baseball? Strike. That's right. That's, that's <laughs> probably the best answer you could give. Um, Rosenblatt or TD Ameritrade? Uh, TD Ameritrade. Okay. Yeah. Uh, favorite favorite superstition if you've got one. Um. Just make sure you should put some uh, baby powder on before you go play. <laughs> that's probably my favorite one. <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome! <laughs> um, all right, pants up or pants down? <laughs> pants down. Pants down. All right, last question. I don't. I don't. I don't have the calves for pants up. Okay, you, you gotta. You gotta have a good calf. For Wingo was a big pants up guy. Yeah, yeah. But, he had little know, chicken legs too. I think. Exactly. He did, but he was small <laughs> enough all around to. to yeah do that you know if i go pants up i'll look like i'll look like a bowling ball on some sticks and that just isn't a good look (laughs) (laughs) all right last question because i'm curious to get your opinion um favorite carolina uniform the friday night garnet pinstripes or the yankee grays yankee grays for sure and i I hated i i mean i didn't dislike the pinstripes but i was I would have rather worn something else on Friday night, but that's just what we wore. But I love the Yankee Grays; those are my favorite. Absolutely, yeah, I love those too. Those are so such a clean look. So, um, with that being said, I know I've kept you a while, Michael, but I appreciate your time. Let the uh, let the people know just kind of where they can find you on social media if they want to follow you or anything like that. Yeah, I'm on MT Roth uh, 29 on Twitter and Instagram, and that's about it. I'm not super active on it anymore i've i've uh i've gotten away from it but i i still read some stuff and i I check in every now and then so uh send me a message uh and um i'll connect with you absolutely yeah we appreciate your time again i'm chris phillips i'm at c philly 19 on twitter if you want to follow me uh again armchair south carolina twitter instagram facebook you guys know where to find us make sure you check out the spurs up show on itunes the stitcher app uh, and of course, armchairamericans.com. So again, Michael Roth, we appreciate your time. It's an absolute pleasure. And, you know, hope to have you on the show again in the future. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Go Gamecocks. Absolutely. Go Cox. So again, he's Michael Roth for Chris Phillips. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.